0: Welcome to the ringer podcast network. It's Liz Kelly. This week, we launched a new show on the network called the ringer fantasy football show coming from the guys who brought you the fantasy football podcast, Danny Heifetz, Danny Kelly, and Craig Horlbeck will guide you through the fantasy football season, providing analysis on big picture conversations like weekly matchups trades and daily fantasy. The show will run every Monday and Wednesday throughout the rest of the summer, and will be helping you through the regular season as well. So follow and listen to the first episode of the Ringer Fantasy Football Podcast out now for free on Spotify.
1: Hello and welcome back to Stadio Podcast, The Ringer SC. I'm Issa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how's your birthday going?
2: It's great. I'm doing a podcast.
1: (laughs) Everything I ever dreamed of. Sorry to drop you in it. had to mention that. It's your birthday. Here's my birthday. Thanks. All good. Wow, amazing. Look how far you've come in just a year. (laughs) Amazing. Well, I'm not a year old. (laughs) My my first birthday. (laughs) Thanks, man. All good. Good times. Good times.
2: We're doing a mailbag today. We're recording it a little bit earlier. We're recording this Wednesday morning, Berlin time. Yes, yeah, so we're going to miss some of the games. We're going to miss Liverpool's presentation of the trophy. Uh, there was some quite big news in the NWSL this week with the announcement of another expansion team. So There's been two expansion teams announced in the last couple of weeks. Rathing Louisville, which I assume is, is it's supposed to be Rathing, right? I'm not supposed to say Racing Louisville. You probably are. Oh, Mark, but it's Rathing. Rathing yeah.
1: Santander. Ryan, like, Look at the demographic and the context. you really think it's going to be wrathing? you really think that's going to happen? All right, Racing Louisville. Okay, there we go. Was that so hard?
2: Yeah, actually. It, it was. was. <laughs> it was nice knowing you're wrathing Louisville. Uh, but Angel City, LA's expansion team. This is amazing.
1: That is super cool.
2: The people involved in the co-founding of it are unbelievable. So it's Natalie Portman, Julie Erman, Serena Williams and her husband, and their daughter, apparently. And she Is, is Alexis... A uh, Alexis Olympia a shareholder. She's going to be director of football. Incredible. Uh, Jessica Chastain, America Ferrara, Jennifer Garner, Eva Longoria, and Lily Singh, it says on the FIFA website, are just some of the non soccer figures involved. Didn't I love 14, that? 14 former US women's national team players are also involved in the project, including Mia Hamm, Julie Fowdy, uh, Lauren Cheney, Holiday, and Abby Wambach.
1: That's so cool. Didn't, didn't I love most about that, though? Jessica Chastain is in it. Like, if she's in anything, it's good. It's just yeah. like anything. Yeah, it's, She's any, yeah, it's like the watermark. Yeah, it's mark. the Steve Buscemi rule. Exactly. Yeah. Like, oh my God. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. If I see Netflix, or so, I click. I don't even care. Yeah. Football in Los Angeles is getting really, really interesting. I mean, the name, Angel City. It's so good. It's so, it's like, it's so obvious. You wonder why it hadn't been done before. One thing quickly, imagine the merch. Oh, the merch. The man. merch so you L- dude. And you got
2: LAFC in the MLS who have obviously come with this amazing branding and amazing club ethos. For, for a new club and Angel City down the road as well Angel City is well, brilliant although it says the club na- it's the placeholder name until what? the official club what? name is announced I mean, what, what could so, you yeah. yeah I don't like this just call it Angel City yeah yeah it's done and be done with it
1: Let's start a campaign now yep. go and vote go and vote we'll start we'll start like a a year long study a referendum on Twitter and we'll just get people to keep going and vote, keep driving them to the link.
2: The only name that I will acknowledge other than Angel City is if they call it The Chronic. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> Do you know what? We've got The Chronic away this weekend.
1: Whatever they call it, I'm going to call them Angel City. Yeah. In my heart or on the podcast, like let's say they call them whatever, the, the something something starboard or whatever. No, I'll, I'll be like, oh, Angel the City. The something something starboard. Yeah, you know, they'll call it something like that. Something like, corporate and sensible
2: no i don't know you know angel city is good let's hype hype it racing louisville will always be rathing louisville to me yeah but there we go and angel city will always be angel city to me i I think it's amazing it sounds amazing great project. really good time for women's football on the whole i think Mm. in general obviously there were some problems we've mentioned before in the women's super league in england but anyway questions yeah let's do it let's move on to questions okay first one from the brilliant Jasmina Schweimler at Jazz Schweimler on Twitter. Anyone who wants to follow women's football from a European perspective, Jazz is the Frauen Bundesliga Don. She said, When are we going to
1: eat cupcakes? Oh my goodness. As soon as you are in Berlin again and you are our guest, our esteemed guest. So yeah, Jazz, when you're next in town, let's go do it.
2: Right, let's move on to some football. From Neve Dunphy. She said, who would your 2020 Ballon d'Or have been if it had gone ahead this year? A few other people sent us this as well. So obviously the Ballon d'Or has been cancelled this year.
1: Yeah, that is cancel culture.
2: You see? Yeah, but football sometimes is so weird.
1: Why this year? I know I get it, that everything's a little bit all over the place, but like, really? Now? But aren't you happy that cancel culture has actually worked? Like, I've never actually seen it until now. I was like, wow, actually. I'm going to cancel you. Promises, promises. All my best material gets cancelled on this podcast. Oh, (laughs) But yeah, the the sad thing about this is there is someone out there, Ryan, who started this season with the quiet goal of winning a Ballon d'Or or or at least getting a podium finish and Mm. desperately worked towards it. And actually, you know what's really sad about this? Could have had an Atalanta player in the top three this year.
2: Could have, a, um, could have, could have. You know, I, I mean, I, I, mean I, I think he may have been nominated, but I don't think he would have been Name been recognition. For,
1: yeah, but, just, just, but maybe even top 30, maybe like a final 30 finish. And it's a big deal. Maybe a shortlist, yeah. Yeah, for, for us, don't get me wrong, for us, I mean, I know that Ballon d'Or is a bit of a joke to some people and it kind of is a bit arbitrary. At the same time, if you're part of a team that is having a historically great season, you could have seen maybe Papu Gomez and... Ilicic, both in the top 30. And that would have been really amazing for them. That's something to kind of, you know, tell the relatives and the grandkids and be boast, and boast about and be like, wow, we did something really special this year. And it's kind of a bit sad um, that it's not there for those people who don't normally get recognised. In terms of who would be the winner this year, everyone on Twitter was pretty much like Lewandowski would have been the guy. And I, I can't really see a better candidate
2: No, I can't. I think he was, I think it was nailed on really.
1: Anyone that saw, especially anyone that saw Bayern in that ropey early season form, Mm. anyone that saw them knew that he was basically keeping them afloat. And if he'd been injured at any point, I reckon Bayern finish, could have finished third or fourth.
2: Yeah. I mean, obviously a lot of the Ballon d'Or stuff is tied up into Champions League as well. Yeah. And things like that. But I think... Yeah, I'd, I'd be hard-pressed to think of someone...
1: Because it wasn't just goal-scoring this year. Lewandowski did more than just goal-scoring. Like, he actually led the line. Mm. Properly led it. Like, was an, an outlet and scored in all the important matches. Mm. Like, he did everything right this year. What about the women?
2: Because, obviously, the, Ada Hegerberg was, uh, has been injured.
1: Okay, so the outstanding player in Germany was Penel Hader, mm. by, by distance. Um, in the in the in the women's super league, Midamara was outstanding. Although it would be weird Beth to give England. it, it would be difficult not to give it to a Chelsea player, given how mm. good they were. And Beth England was the most decisive player consistently. On that. There's about three players in the Chelsea team who could have been a top. There was like a top thirty. There are three players in the Chelsea team who could have been a top thirty. I think three or four, but Beth England was the best of that lot. I think. And from from the very from the very first game, actually, I think she scored like, I think she scored the the winner or the opener in the first game against Spurs. I think. Mm.
2: I mean, Beth England was the Women's Super League Player of the Season this season. Uh, Emma Hayes was Manager of the Season. I wonder whether Chelsea not being in the Champions League might have affected Beth England's potential Ballon d'Or thing.
1: Yeah, but she was so good. You could
2: probably make an argument for Lucy Bronze actually as well.
1: Oh, because of the end of last year and the start of this, it's always the yeah. A- and
2: also if they and if they go deep in the in the Champions League, Leon. They win the champions league for example i think you'd probably see someone from leon win it
1: yeah although although weirdly they've been not more fragile this year well they, they've been there's been there's been a greater sign of well they just bought sarah bjorn as have haven't they <laughs> so yeah yeah like ju- ju- just they're they're they, just, the, just <laughs> they were looking just when they were looking like their dominance might be easing they buy a player like that and they shore up all those problems okay i i still i still th- i still think beth england is my
2: preferred choice can you imagine then, though, you would have had potentially a Ballon d'Or winner who's struggling to get into the England team regularly?
1: Has that ever happened before? In either, in, in the men's or women's game?
2: Yeah, let's not get started on Phil Neville.
1: Let's not get started <laughs> I, mean, I mean, by God.
2: Do you want to move on to another question? Yeah, let's do it. Ahead of the Liverpool-Chelsea game, you'll be hearing this after the Liverpool-Chelsea game. So congratulations to the team that won or drew with the other team. <laughs> this one from Matthew De Matea, Lovely name. What can Chelsea do, if anything, to seriously compete with City and Liverpool next year? Can any upgrade get them there, or are they destined to compete for third or fourth in the table? Now, do you want if I jump in here quickly before, because obviously Chelsea have made some massive signings already. They look more and more likely to sign Kai Havertz. Yeah, something that we weren't massively in favour of, but. I think we said it would be a good signing for Chelsea because Kai Havertz is a good signing for anyone. Right. However, we didn't really like the fit and that we would prefer him to stay at Leverkusen, at least for another season or two. Speaking as a non-Chelsea fan, there are some deeply troubling rumours that they're actually going to go after Oblak and involve Kepa in some kind of deal. There's usually one team that comes out flying in the transfer window before anyone's really kind of got their shoes on. And it's normally Chelsea. (laughs) Okay, they've signed Timo Werner. They signed Ziet, they they're potentially going to sign Kai Harbert's strong some of the youngsters that were coming through the season that pushes them into essentially the second string yep or rotational roles I'd be interested to see how they cope with that the move to that system this season where you saw a lot of the academy graduates come through was really interesting and it got and it brought with it a lot of goodwill for Frank Lampard. I remember us talking about it early on in the season that even though they were losing games or de- defensively not so solid, they'd switch that identity around where it had bought them loads of time. Like I still think, I think Chelsea could have finished sixth this season. Yeah. And there would be no talk about Frank Lampard's job. So I'm going to, it'd be interesting to see how some of those players who have played more of a role this season will feature or how they will cope with maybe not being as key as they had been this season in
1: certain games. What's funny about that though, is that I think for them, if you said to them, would you take that? if you look at the way it was going to be a year, 18 months ago, would you take the situation now? I think you would also, I think they might still take that in a weird way Mm. because one thing you noticed in the semi-final, I noticed certainly was that range of attacking options off that bench, especially now with the five subs, it's so exciting what you could do. Like Chelsea could be the most confusing attacking team in the Premier League next year. They have the most confusing assortment of configurations like they can come at you any which way. Mm. Any which way. Like, I mean, imagine what Guardiola would do with that forward line, for example, with those options. I mean, he doesn't have that range of attacking options. But that diversity of attacking options, it's the broadest in the league, in the Premier League. It's incredible, actually. If Atleti sell our black, that's wild and would be a ridiculous choice. And if they sell our black, it's because they've got debt issues. But you don't sell our black and replace them, Keppa. You just don't. There's not a goalkeeper in the world actually replaced with our black in that system for Athletic, there's not one that improves it
2: I mean Oblak is I think the best men's keeper in the world currently
1: and I, I don't think you replace him with a you don't replace that guy <laughs> unless, unless, <laughs> with unless, a what with unless <laughs> it's the only other keeper I would you'd swap in for Oblak and maintain those performances would be I think Alisson
2: uh, I'd maybe throw in Te Stegen
1: okay yeah okay maybe Te on this
2: you know what I would love to see actually but Athletic would never do it is um, maybe see Kepa go back to Athletic. Oh, right. Uh, Unai Simon go to Atleti. Oh my goodness. Have a three-team trade. Oh, wow. We haven't done then many. you go, NBA fans. Three-team trades. Oh, we need to do a fake trade soon, actually, because that we was should. fun that time. Yeah. So, yeah, I think Chelsea, if they continue to add players, which I imagine they probably will do, I assume they're going to sell a number of players a season as well. Then, I know we mentioned it briefly the other day, and I don't want to kind of get hyperbolic about this, but like, I do have a sneaking suspicion about City
1: next season. This is the thing about this league, right? Liverpool have been outstanding, absolutely. And also other teams have not had their act together. And this feels like 2015-16, where a lot of teams were broken at the same time. Mm. And these teams that were broken this year will not be that broken next year. If Chelsea, Mm. to answer the question eventually, by a centre-back and a defensive midfield, or defensively minded midfield, because they still got Billy Gilmore to come back, He's still a bit young. He's still got Kante. Yeah, I know, know, but I'm thinking like, but Gilmore and Kante is great, but you need a third player of that kind of heft. You need a third defensive player, I think.
2: If they got someone like Thomas Partey, it'd be game over. Well, not game over, but they would be like, they'd be a problem.
1: If they got Partey, a centre-back, a fast centre-back that can cover that space in behind that the attackers would leave, and then a new goalkeeper, then they're cooking with gas. At that point, they are like... Yeah, I don't
2: like that. I don't like that That's very, that's,
1: that's very dangerous if they do that. It's very
2: bane. Yeah. It's very big bane energy, that.
1: And they know what they're doing. Just like, know, how, yeah.
2: do you, how do you beat that? With difficulty.
1: I think Liverpool will be the only constant. I do think they will be. I think they will be only because their rotation is outstanding. And with the addition of the extra two subs, it will get even better.
2: Yeah, I, that's, I think that's, that's a key that's, thing for Liverpool. That's, yeah. that's
1: gold for Klopp. That is Gold, or gold and now it means players like Minamino can become more integrated and he'll get more minutes more time he'll start being more decisive mm. I just think it's they're the gold standard and United's struggle with the depth that, that that's just I'm just calling that now that's not a difficult that's not a big shout United's problem will be depth um, yeah absolutely yeah no there's, question this, there. there's such a huge drop-off after that starting 11 for United yeah it's massive it's probably the biggest drop-off Mm. of those teams those big teams I would say
2: Um, let's go to a break let's do it
0: this episode is brought to you by State Farm you might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong but these are the words you really need to remember like a good neighbour State Farm is there they've got options to fit your unique insurance needs meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need have coverage options to protect the things you value most
2: Oh, back from the break. This one from Kebabas on Twitter. Has any relegation left you as distraught as Leganés early in the week? And if so, why are you lying?
1: Ha <laughs> ha. Oh, Leganés. Sid Lowe, we just mentioned that piece oh, last time. But yeah. yeah. If
2: anyone hasn't read Sid's piece from Leganess on the weekend, it's on The Guardian. Go and read it. I mean, Sid is consistently one of, I mean, we've, we've talked about Sid before. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, this is one of Sid's best, I think. We need to
1: do like a Sidio podcast or we get him on the Stadio podcast.
2: Yeah, we'll have to do that in Madrid though, unfortunately. That's Um, true. What a shame. Leganes, the the hardest hit city in Spain, COVID-19. It meant a lot. They shouldn't have been there anyway. The fact that they were in La Liga for four years is such an overachievement. And the way in which they went down, their two top scorers taken away in the transfer window in January, loads of injuries. And in the end, it came down to a handball decision that should have been given. Utterly heartbreaking,
1: I think. Horrific.
2: There was a great line in Sid's piece, actually, that was a little bit reminiscent to one of our favorites, The Curse of El Pupas, where it said, Iago Aspas said, this can never happen again. Basically, Selta escaping so narrowly. And then the next sentence was, he said the same thing
1: last year. <laughs> oh my God. Iago Aspas. Saved. I mean, he saves them every year, doesn't he?
2: Yeah, but but Celtic shouldn't be down there. No. They shouldn't be down there. The amount of money they spent this season and you would have thought last year was a wake-up call for them to go down, but you think there weren't any celebrations after the final whistle at the Celtic game because they knew that they'd really got away with it.
1: Every league has a Verde Bremen, doesn't it? Every league's got Mm. a club, which is too big to be down there, but they haven't got things together either at board level or on the pitch or both. And they just shouldn't be languishing like that. You know, it's hard to root for clubs like that sometimes over clubs that have basically maximised everything and just gotten lucky. Alain you know, and Leganés, the way they set up everything, they didn't go beyond their means. They had like Martin Brathwaite, who was outstanding and who got a lot of stick when he went to Barca, but was brilliant for them.
2: Yeah, he did a job. I mean, they, they do. to be fair to Barcelona, they do have a really good habit. It's like, you know when you see NBA teams signing vets for the playoffs? Yes. Barcelona have got that kind of vibe about them sometimes.
1: You know, I, t- well, I will be honest and say, can I be this right? I'm going to like someone from the wire or one of these like cop shows. Barca I haven't been Barca for a while.
2: Well, Musa, actually it's funny you said that because my first piece for the ringer was kind of touching on that topic.
1: Oh my goodness. The circle of life.
2: After the, the most recent Classico. Yeah. But yeah, their identity has been blown to bits. We've, we, I mean, we've talked about this a million times and we said the other day that we were maybe going to do an end of season report on some teams around Europe yeah. once the Premier League wraps next week and Serie A wraps. So let's maybe hold back for that because we did that big thing on Barca. Well, we didn't do a massive thing on Barca, but we touched on Barca's problems a few weeks ago. Yeah. Now they're talking about potential bankruptcy, which I don't think will actually ever happen because I think Barcelona have been teetering on the edge of financial ruin for about a decade now, weirdly. They just can't seem to get it right.
1: You know, it's so weird though. Barca have become Real on and off the field. Even in relation to the financial stuff. And that's this is gonna hurt to say that. But do you remember when like Rail had that massive, massive threat, the looming bankruptcy, then they sold that training ground for like quarter of a billion? Hmm. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Next time in Barcelona, I'll identify a strip of land, maybe a parking lot, and maybe if the city can buy that for like half a billion euros, Barcelona back in business.
2: There you go. You know. Let's move on to another one. I like this one from Ben Pummel. It said, who are the most high profile anti-catfish players in as much as their talent is disproportionately massive compared to their profile due to limitations at their current clubs? It said, Mane at Southampton, for example, was an anti-catfish player. Richarlatan's quiet brilliance at Everton brought it into my mind. I like this question.
1: Santi Casola at Malaga.
2: Oh, are we going like historic here? I mean, Magico,
1: Magico Gonzalez at Cádiz I mean, if we're going, if we're going like, okay, we're going current. Okay. So that's the kind of headspace I'm going with. So if we're going at current, it's that player who always scores. If there's like a four two defeat, it's the player that always scores the two, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, at Sampdoria. Drink. As I mention? Yeah. Okay. Um,
2: I'm going to throw in Danny Parejo at Valencia.
1: Okay. Oh yeah. Oh, oh, gosh. Of course. Yeah. He's been that guy for ages.
2: Yeah. He's a, he's
1: a, he's a anti-catfish stalwart. I mean, do you know what I love about this question? It's kind of a sly, like who's the most underrated. When I saw it, I was like, oh, that's actually a catfish question. Mm, oh, well, there you go. I mean, uh, the question let's throw Marcel
2: Sabitzer. He's, he can go in there, Marcel Sabitzer, although he's, like we've mentioned before, he's straying desperately close to
1: Firmino territory. Yeah. Most underrated that everyone actually rates. Yeah. It's like no one rates them. No one's talking about this band everyone's talking about this band. Oh no, they can't get mentioned. Do you know what we've got on the Google printouts? We've looked at the social media impressions. Everyone is talking about this band. <laughs> Let's move on to another question. Yeah, sure. Let's do it.
2: From Nate Ashburn. He said, why does it seem like we're getting second year Jose only six months in?
1: Theory. Radiation. You know, like this thing and you study like the half-life.
2: So I thought you were singing nuclear war by Sun Ra then. <laughs> When you push that button. When
1: Jose goes off, nuclear war. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, nuclear war is a really appropriate thing to talk about. remember studying years ago in science about how things deteriorate with radiation. And there's that Mm half-life. And the half-life is as it accelerates, keeps halving, keeps halving. And his career is like that. Like the time towards breakdown keeps accelerating. You could probably model it mathematically over the course of Mourinho's career, how quickly the meltdown arrives. Let's not forget, this is the guy that didn't lose a home game forever for what, eight seasons. And now it's like, the thought of Mourinho losing a home game was, it was news. It was like football news when he lost the home game. And the meltdowns have accelerated. Like it's almost as if Mourinho's career has been modeled by an algorithm patterned against the deterioration of like Radioactive material. It's, and it, it was actually quite fitting because a lot of his behaviour has been quite radioactive. This is the thing about Mourinho and Guardiola. You know when you've got those young actors that are like firebrands, you know, the Nero, Pacino, and if you don't make the pivot to comedy quickly enough, you become a parody, so you start shouting and no one's scared anymore. Like when Pacino used to shout, it was always terrifying. And then when he shouted, it became like hoo-ha and it became a parody. Do you remember that?
2: I think what I would say is you look at someone like Robert Redford. Yes. Brilliant actor, never really fucked with the comedy thing, but moved out of it into really interesting elder roles. Alex Ferguson. Elder Alex roles. Ferguson.
1: He Alex got rid Ferguson, of the hairdryer. Bengo. got rid of the hairdryer.
2: Yeah, Arsene Bengo just walked away, started directing. Yeah. That's it. Ex- Literally. Yeah, oh my it's God.
1: It's, it's exactly that. Or you have like, um, or someone like Marcello Lippi, who's basically your Brad Pitt.
2: Yeah, he set up the stu- yeah, Marcello Lippi basically went and set up the studio and funded films by people who wouldn't get their films Exactly.
1: Made. And then basically retreated to kind of executive producer role, but every now and again would step in and actually do the coaching and then just ducked out. So Marcello Lippi is basically Brad Pitt. Mourinho is Al Pacino. Pep is still De Niro trying to go full taxi driver, but it's not that scary anymore. Mm. Wenger and Ferguson are both Redford. Actually, no. Wenger's Christopher Walken actually, in so many ways. Like even when he is not top of the bill, he's still box office and he's still the dude everyone watches. And he's still the guy. If if Christopher Walken was at any Hollywood party, everyone would run over or move over as quick as they could to listen to all his anecdotes. Like you imagine Wenger just sitting there. You know, Christopher Walken is probably that guy that just goes to like a Hollywood party or event if he actually turns up and just everyone just listens to all his anecdotes. And they're genuinely hilarious and everyone just listens for 20 minutes on end. That's Wenger. With a glass of red wine and like you have like Arteta running to fill it up again for him.
2: Yeah, well Arteta is like well in that in that kind of scenario, he's like the what, the Timothy Chalamet.
1: Oh, I like that a lot. <laughs> this is so much fun. The hot young hope. Have we suddenly gone into like football managers as actors? It's- oh, okay. Well we need to save this and do a podcast. You know on what? It. But before I go any further, just to sort of put a stamp on it really, in terms of a conversation, there is a really interesting thing about the arcs of actors and managers. Mm -hmm. Because if you think about it, you know, we mentioned Jessica Chastain earlier, shout out to her. If you think about it, there is, they're both performers, right? There is performers. Mm -hmm. we talked to them. Maybe we're circling around this topic without realizing it for a few weeks now, but even the dress code, since you started mentioning it and watching Pep's dress code in certain games. And now he's almost like beach dad in the last game against Watford. He was almost like sort of distracted dad on a beach with the kids. Like there's all these so. When you are, if you're an actor and a manager, you're on stage for a certain range of amount of time and everyone's watching, scrutinizing you. There's a moment when you've got to think to yourself, what is my next performance? What can I do next? What can I perform next? And you've got people like, you know, Del Bosque is a kind of Philip Seymour Hoffman, just always there in the background, always empathetic, always gentle, never taking the limelight, but always somehow stealing the show, like always somehow doing it. I mentioned the kind of analogy almost as a joke, but there's also a serious point, which is that when you are on stage that long, that often as an actor or as a manager and every season offers you a new role, how do you keep the audience captivated? It's the constant challenge. Mm -hmm. And it's the kind of thing that you would sit down. Like I'm sure that Klopp would sit down with his assistant and not just talk tactics, but he'd like, what do I do differently this year? What do I say in press conferences this year? What do I, do to motivate? What do I do to excite? How often do I lose my temper? When do I go into a press conference and just lose it?
2: Uh, see, I disagree actually with Klopp. I think Klopp is such a, I think Klopp is a... Feel. He's basically improv. That's why he is so bad when he loses games because he can't fake that. I think Pep has his Pepisms. Okay. And, and Mourinho is obviously, like Mourinho has got to the point now when he thinks that he's still trying to say lines that he was saying back in the day, mm. but they're, like you said before, they're just a parody. It would be like, I'm trying to think, what's the most like, one of the most terrifying lines that you've ever heard in a
1: movie? Call it, friendo. No country for old men. Anton Chigurh, no. when Anton Chigurh basically says to the guy, call it, and the guy's tossing a coin for his life. That's the most terrifying yeah.
2: line. imagine doing that almost 20 years said, later. Call it. After knowing that, that person the whole time, you'd be like, whatever, yeah. mate. I've seen you in a gilet. You don't scare me.
1: Oh my goodness, Mourinho. If you look at the beginning of No Country for Old Men, Anton Chigurh is tele- terrifying and all-consuming. That's year one Chelsea-Mourinho. Yeah, and the final scene of No Country for Old Men is trending towards Mourinho now.
2: Yeah, we need to, we need to do an episode on Let's this. Do huh?
1: it. Let's do it. We'll come back to it. All
2: right. This one from Kid Presentable. With the trend of ex-players taking over as managers, Arteta Lampard, Zidane, Solskjaer, etc. What club needs an ex-player takeover and who would that ex-player be? And he said, obviously, Javi to Barcelona doesn't count.
1: Xavi Alonso to Sociedad. Ooh la la. Now that...
2: Xavi Alonso to succeed either Zidane or Klopp at whichever
1: one leaves first. Oh my goodness. Neither of those people are going anywhere. I was actually looking at... I'm actually writing a piece for The Ringer about this, but I was looking at the records of... A funny thing has happened in Serie A, La Liga and the Premier League, which is that this year... The teams in the lead have got significantly less potent attacks than the teams in second. So Atalanta just firing on all cylinders in second place at the moment. Juve a little bit more frugal at the top. Liverpool are basically called of calm control and Madrid, an extreme version, I think, what, scored 70, considered 25. And really the lesson being in those leagues, play with control. Everyone else is losing their heads, keep yours. So those clubs, those jobs are secure. I, I think Chabi Alonso to Sossel is the most exciting of those to me because they ended up sixth, I think. Mm. And they faded a bit. But I think that the, kind, the return of a legend like Alonso would galvanise new signings and galvanise existing players. Like he could bring in players. And I think he's a really smart, like you hear him talk football, he's like, you know. Well, I mean, he's there at the youth at the youth team. So I think right? if he got the job there, and that's probably something which has been mooted already, then that would be incredible. And they've got so many incredible pieces and young pieces at Sociedad.
2: He's actually at Real Sociedad B. Right. He was coaching the Real Madrid under
1: 14s before that. That's what I got. Right. Into. So that's the, that, for me, that's the standout appointment. That would be mm. incredible. Um, I would like to suggest Poch to PSG. Oh my goodness. Because why not? Or if we're going to be really dramatic, Poch gets a load of investment and they invest in Espanol and Poch goes... Oh, I thought you were going to say Newell's. Poch goes to Espanol. And just goes and does really exciting things with the existing players. And then they get big investment and they come in back to La Liga and start just tearing
2: it up. You gonna start hearing about power shifts in Barcelona. Power shifts, yeah, exactly. (laughs) The more romantic side of it would be Newell's or Bordeaux, I think, because he's already done Espanyol. Bordeaux. Bordeaux would be lovely.
1: Zidane to Can. Ah!
2: Zidane to Juve,
1: actually. Oh my goodness. Does he love Uv like that? Mm. He seems to love Madrid so much.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's, he's Madrid through and through mm. her. Not that he's had any managerial experience, but just because I want to see him on the touchline in a suit. Uh, Robert Perez to Marseille.
1: Oh my goodness. That's the most handsome appointment. City, club, stadium, manager. And that Marseille stadium is gorgeous. The sound, oh, the sound, it? the architecture. Mm. So I just had a random thought about Zidane. Zidane... Figo, Beckham and Ronaldo, they're mates, they go for dinner. Do they sit there? Can I, here's a quick question. When Zidane, Beckham, Figo and Ronaldo go for dinner or hang out as they do, as they must, so I like to imagine it, do they just sit there and look at each other and just be like, we are absolute dons. Like, do they actually, that amount of energy, there's that Instagram <laughs> post, there's an Instagram photo and you got like Del Piero, Kaka and they're like, do they look around at each other and be like, Look at this energy. Look at this pure... Wow. D- d- does that, that swag, that level, they must do that. And it can't be disputed. If I was
2: in that group, every single Instagram picture I'd post with us for, Of course. ...would just say, what? That's the only caption. <laughs> there's there's what?
1: nothing that can be said.
2: <laughs> Whatever it is, <laughs> no. did it reminds me of... Because there's just... It's just nothing. It's like the ultimate mic drop. Stuff like that. When you're in a crew that deep. So
1: deep. So deep. <laughs> Can I just be, I mean, I've said this maybe before, but who, if you post that on in your Insta, let's say there's four of you that run the joint Insta and you're just a gang and like, someone always uploads your pictures on the holidays. It's like the four of you, Beckham, Ronaldo, Zidane, Figo, the four of you are just like rolling deep. Now that's a flat cap gang. It's a flat cap gang. I want to know, my one question is this, who is the footballer who sends the DM, the needy DM on Instagram going, guys, um, I know the four of you have got your thing, but I just kind of felt like over the years we were, I just kind of, I feel a bit like we could be like, why am I not in the, you know, I don't want to ask.
2: It's a hundred percent Michael Owen.
1: <laughs> I just, we were kind of, I mean, technically I was a Galactico. He'll <laughs>
2: Guys, I won the Ballon d'Or when I was uh... <laughs> Yeah, but Michael, uh, Michael, they're like, guys, we're watching movies. You don't watch movies. So well, that's why you're not in the gang, Michael. You've only seen Jurassic Park or something stupid. And the, worst
1: thing is, the worst thing is the existence of the gang and you're not in it because then you're like, you're seeing, and has Hey guys, like, Hey, what? I just saw this picture on Instagram. You're not, I just would have thought that you yeah, oh, right. like, I'm just down the I road. Just, like, guys, I just, you mean,
2: you mean you, you mean all four of you were in Chester and you didn't call me? <laughs>
1: Oh, can I be honest with you, Ryan? This is okay, this is I'm gonna reveal for once on this podcast, I reveal a flash of ego. One reason I want to be like a successful writer one day is I want I want get a load of this guy. What I've realized is, like, you know, obviously starting out as a football writer like fifteen years ago, I don't want these I hope people don't listen to this podcast who whose work I really admire. There are some football writers who I grew up absolutely adoring, right? And then as you make more work, you end up getting to know them. And like the better you get at what you do, your reward for it is meeting the people you really admire. And I think part of me as an artist is wanting to get better so that people I really admire can look at my stuff and be like, I like what you're doing. Keep it keep it keep it up. Like, you know
2: what I mean? Like I like what you're so doing. you do. So you wanna be you wanna be in a fun WhatsApp group with all of your peers. Yeah. And your heroes.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah.
2: I just want everyone to leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I started a football podcast. Stop tweeting me about (laughs) Rony. Let me live. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to end on this one because the news broke on Tuesday night that Ralph Rangnick's move to AC Milan is off. And we had a question from Talking Spheres on Twitter: Have Milan made a mistake in not giving Rangnick what he desires now? This is a weird situation, I think, and I wonder if finance has come into this. Mark Kozika, who is Rangnick's boy, released a statement saying that AC Milan and Ralph Rangnick have agreed that it is not the right time at the moment and that there is no momentum for working together. Because of this, and taking into account the good development and the results under coach Stefano Pioli, it was decided jointly that Ralph Rangnick will not take on a role at AC Milan. So for context, Pioli had a contract until the end of the 2021 season. I believe they're still paying Giampiaolo from October when they fired him. They would have had to pay Red Bull for getting Ragnik because he's still in a role at Red Bull. Uh, they would have had to pay out Pioli while still paying Giampiaolo. So I kind of think this makes sense, actually.
1: I mean, it's funny. I, uh, my first gut reaction was, did they blink? But then, I mean, James Horncastle, who's vastly more experienced matters matters, writes The Athletic about Italian football, was like, he thought it was the right shout and he's a closer observer of that scene, mm. vastly closer than I am. And look, there's something to be said for the players are happy. There's momentum. And Milan are looking for the first time in years, like their old selves again. That has been remarked on by a lot of long time observers of Milan. Like the first time about 10 years, Milan look good. And if you got Rangnick in against the players' wishes, they were happy in a system, not the players were throwing the towel, but, almost like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I have seen comments about Ibrahimovic providing a lot of goals and that's maybe, you know, there's maybe been a reliance and a dependency on him, but I also think a really good coach. I mean, look at, look at, look at like, you know, Solskjaer is, you know, he's shown his chops. They got rid of Lukaku and they brought in Greenwood and they look great. If you bring in a couple of good recruits and trust Pioli to bring the best out of new arrivals, it could work out and it's been extended to 2022. Part of me just thinks maybe it's just good getting a club back to itself again. And here's weird another thing as well with the Rangnick thing that ramps up the pressure on a club that's just getting back on its feet.
2: I mean, there was some stuff that Ivan Gazidis said about it where it wasn't just a thing based on recency. Mm. It was something that had been grown and a lot of players have actually said that not putting pressure, but I think there were a lot of noises about players being unhappy if Pioli was to go. So, I think it makes a lot of sense. The Rangnick thing feels a little bit forced. It felt a little bit at the time like when Gazidis brought Sanye in at Arsenal and that kind of team. It was a bit of a move like that. But then they, they extended uh, Pioli's contract as well. So AC Milan need consistency and they need patience and they need space to grow. And I think you're right. Like Putting something like Rangnick in there changes the dynamic almost overnight and, and could potentially undo a lot of that hard work. They're not exactly fixed, but they're not as broke as they were. right?
1: And they look, I mean, Frank Kessier has looked outstanding since the restart. You know what i say as well? One thing Milan I think really need now, and this is a big thing, it's a bugbear I've had for years with them. Take the shirt back to the broad stripes. The red and black stripes on that shirt are too thin. They're too close, to, they're too close together. I think they have varied though over the years. 90s, Mediolanum, that was the peak.
2: Lotto, Lotto Milan. Or the very, very, very early Adidas ones were very, very smooth. Yeah. Um, should we get out of here? Let's do it. Thanks to everyone who sent in questions and we hope you're all staying safe and well. We will be back on Monday. Yep, yep. We're at Stadio on Twitter, at Stadio Football on Instagram. Website is stadio.football, but make sure you check the ringer.com forward slash soccer. Uh, we're playing out this week on, I think it's pronounced Cybe? C-Y-B-E. Tune's called Zen Zai, out on the brilliant, brilliant, brilliant Strom label out of Belgium. If if you like weird stuff, go and check out Strom. Anything you want to add, Musa? Here we go.
1: Just, um, I'd like to add, or I hope this podcast episode adds a little bit more happiness to sometimes a troubled universe. Um, yeah, and I I hope also that... Wow, aim aim low. I hope you also have, um... (laughs) joyful days joyful days wherever you are that's just oh me with the good energy
2: one day i'm going to say anything to ad boost and you're just going to be like live laugh love
1: <laughs>
2: yeah <laughs> and i'm going to cancel you promises ryan and moose wonger have parted ways on creative differences
1: Creative <laughs> differences <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, take care everyone have a great weekend and the rest of the week and we'll see you monday see ya